Welcome to the Kobe Bryant episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, aka episode 8. My name is Logan Wortman, and today we're going to be finally finishing off this series that we started back at the beginning of the season. Here we are with only a week and a half left, and we're finally going to be wrapping it up. And that is the over-under series that we've been going through. Just checking back in with our over-under picks that we made at the beginning of the season and also using that as a way to talk about every team. So yeah, we've been going through it by division and we're now in the final leg. So we only have the Northwest division left. That being the Denver Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves, Oklahoma City Thunder, Portland Trailblazers, and Utah Jazz. We'll be going through them in that order as well, alphabetical by location. And so if you just want to listen to what I have to say about one of those teams and not the others, as always, there should be timestamps in the description. But yeah, I'm going to let you guys get into our normal routine here in a second. But first, I just wanted to point out that there's some pretty interesting stuff going on down the stretch of this season. For instance, we have the Los Angeles Lakers actually below the play-in range. They're sitting there at the 11th spot right now, two games behind uh, San Antonio for the 10th spot. So yeah, they very well could miss the playoffs. And honestly, they probably will because the Spurs actually have the tiebreaker against them. So they'd have to make up three games in the standings between the two. So it looks like the Lakers, by doing quick math, they have four games left in the season. That'll be a really entertaining thing to pay attention to, I guess. See if the Lakers make it in there. Similar thing with the other conference, but, you know, a little less drastic. The Nets are very safely in the play-in at the 10 spot because there's like a five and a half game drop from the 10 to the 11 where the Knicks are. But yeah, still very interesting to see the Nets here at the end of the season could finish in the 10 spot, meaning they would have to win back-to-back games in the play-in tournament to make it into the playoffs, which is definitely possible. Don't get me wrong. Maybe even probable. I don't know. But there's also a huge risk there as well because it's do or die. They can't They can't lose a game. Very interesting stuff to pay attention to down the stretch of this season. But yeah, with that, I'll let you guys get into the rest of this because the other team that I'm really watching down the stretch of this season is the Nuggets. And so we're finally covering them in this episode. So you'll hear me talk about that here in a little bit. I'm going to let you guys get into the clip of me and Anthony and Jacob talking about our over-under picks, making those selections uh, right before the season started. So you're going to hear that in a second. And then right after that clip is done, you'll hear me come on, talk about the Nuggets uh, right now as it stands currently, basically, as of Tuesday, April 5th. And then I'll throw on the Minnesota clip of a stock and preseason and basically just repeat that for every team. So yeah, that should be today's episode then. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Please like, follow the feed, do all that kind of stuff. Check out the YouTube channel. Been playing Pirtle over there every day. It's been a fun time. But yeah, here's the clip of me, Anthony, and Jacob talking about Denver. I'll start off with the Nuggets. This is where I'm going to use my other lock, and I'm going to lock the over on this, honestly. Just because, I mean, 48 wins? Like, Jamal Murray... That's kind of disrespectful, yeah. I feel like. I know. For Oh, no, it's the, not. I think it is. The All we're missing is Jamal Murray, I think it is. which I'm not saying is little, but in the regular season, we're, we are perfectly fine without Jamal Murray. When In the playoffs, when we need a guy to generate buckets as good as like just about anyone in the league at the guard position... 
that's when we really need him. Jokic is just an offensive engine by himself and is going to crank out mm-hmm. lots of wins. And we got competent players in the backcourt now this season because last year we had so many injuries in the backcourt that we were playing Austin Rivers and Faku Campazzo like 35 minutes plus a game, which was not ideal. We have a lot more now. I, I really like Bones Highland. Yes. We brought back Rivers. We have Will Barton. We got PJ Dozier, who's been on the up and up until he got injured again last year. But Monte Morris is always there. He missed a lot of last year as well. So, like, we got all that. Jeff Green is also in the lineup in case, you know, we, if Michael Malone throws some of his fits where he has to take MPJ off the court because of defensive lapses or whatever, he's got, a, you know, a veteran in Jeff Green that can come and fill in and do the whole job to a T. So, I like the over on that. I'm locking it. And I just got to be, you know, faithful to my team. So, uh, Jacob, what about you? Under. Same reason I have the under on Golden State. I just don't know when they're getting Jamal Murray back exactly. I think his timetable is a little bit more defined than uh, Clay's is, yeah. but I don't know. And it's, it's not an hard. aggressive under. Like, five or six games over 500 still isn't a bad team at all, especially in th- this year. I just think that this year, the NBA overall is just so much better if a team goes in and is sleeping. They'll get caught a lot more often than normal. Um, so that's why I have the under, but it's only a slight under, like barely. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got them in the uh, B tier. B tier. Oh, yeah. I forgot to tier them. I have them in the B tier as well. Uh, I got <laughs> the over and I have them in the A. I think it's a really good team. And I think having a player like Bones Highland now, just to have that like scoring piece off the bench, you can just be so electric and easily just put 20 to 30 points just out of nowhere. will be so good for that team. And then I, MPJ is just going to be even better this year. He's just going to get better. Yeah, I agree. And he has such a high ceiling. So and you have the, the, the reigning MVP who hasn't lost a step. Yep. Anthony so, speaking my language. All right. So it is now time to talk about the season that the Denver Nuggets have been having. And so Denver's line was 47 and a half wins. They've got 47 wins currently and they're on pace to finish with 49 So yeah, obviously, from the clip that you just heard, I was really confident in the over for the Nuggets. So confident they were one of my locks. So I still agree with my take in that clip that the 47.5 win line was a tad bit disrespectful. I think we'd hit that mark 9 out of 10 times this season. But I think we ultimately ended up so close to our line because of all the injuries mainly. Jamal's still out a little longer than what was originally expected. Porter was like absolutely putrid out of the gates this year. Couldn't make a shot, you know, and he ultimately went out with a back injury before game 10, I think, and he had season ending surgery on it. So we've been without him all year. And the, you know, the little bit that we did have him, he was just not even close to the same guy. Jermichael Green has shot terribly all season long, and his spacing was honestly a pretty important wrinkle for us last season. Lost one of our best wings early in the season in PJ Dozier to a ACL tear. Faku Campazzo has shot terribly. Monte Morris started off the season really bad as well. Will Barton has been about as shaky as it gets. Aaron Gordon has honestly been pretty solid, but we can very rarely rely on him for any significant creation. We also lost another reliable reserve to injury earlier this season in Vladko Chanchar. And Austin Rivers has still been Austin Rivers. And Jokic has even missed more games this season than usual, which really isn't that much because he never misses games. I believe he's missed seven so far this season. So he still played more games than all the other MVP candidates. So it's very impressive that Jokic has just carried this roster into the top five seeds in the West. And that's one of the main reasons why he very well may win his second straight MVP 
One of the other main reasons being his legendary numbers, averaging 27 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists on 66% true shooting. On top of that, he's having the greatest single season in NBA history in terms of PER, and also he's leading the league in basically every single advanced metric that there is. And the Nuggets score almost 20 more points per 100 possessions with Jokic on the court than they do when he's on the bench. That leads the league by a lot, in case you were wondering. So just being honest, I'd probably choose Jokic for MVP this season, but really I can't get mad at anybody for choosing Giannis or Embiid either. Those guys have had phenomenal seasons as well, but it's clearly those two guys and Jokic in whatever order you want, head and shoulders above the rest of the league at this point. But yeah, that's my little MVP talk that I'm going to give you guys. Might do some more later, I don't know. But yeah, on to more Nugget stuff. So I'm going to move on to the topics of developments this season. Zeke Naji, in his second season out of Arizona, has continued to develop as a big 3 and D wing for us. His minutes have gradually grown throughout the season. I believe he's still leading the league in three-point percentage, last I checked. Then there's Bones Highland, which he hasn't had a super efficient rookie season, but he's definitely shown flashes of being a more than capable spark plug scorer, as well as showcased some real playmaking chops this season also. And lately, he's been seeing a very noticeable jump in his opportunity as well as his production. Even if all he ends up being is a streaky heat check score off the bench, I'm honestly still okay with that because we got him at the 26th pick in the draft and I really just love his personality. He's just great to have around the team. And then there's DeMarcus Cousins. So for some context on this one, some of you may know I was pretty disappointed last year with Michael Malone not using JaVale McGee as the backup center for Jokic and instead just using Millsap and Green as the bigs in the bench lineups. I just thought the rim pressure that McGee provided was a dimension our second unit's offense could have really used and his rim protection on the other end wouldn't have hurt either. So naturally I was even more disappointed when we didn't bring him back this season and he signed with a conference rival in the Suns. So we really didn't have any centers at all off the bench this year until we signed DeMarcus Cousins midseason. And I guess I wasn't completely overjoyed with the move at first. He's obviously not the rim runner that JaVale is, so he doesn't exactly provide all that rim pressure that I've been so adamant about. But what Cousins does provide is a level of cohesion in the game planning between the first and second units. You see, because DeMarcus honestly works, as well as about anybody in the league, as like a backup version of Jokic, meaning he's got the size, the strength, and approximation of the skill required to cover the same areas defensively as Jokic, as well as being able to take advantage of mismatches and score in the post in a pinch. But most importantly, he's got a good feel for the game and passing ability for a big man, and you know he's a willing enough shooter that he can be used in that Jokic role as being the playmaking hub at the top of the key and dribble handoff and pick and roll sets that Denver loves to run. That makes it so all the pieces across the whole roster basically are more or less interchangeable around that center spot. The lineups are much more configurable and plug and play, and it really gives the second unit's offense more of an identity, which is great because one of the Nuggets' main problems with the bench these past couple seasons has been that it can often feel like there's a lack of direction or flow in the offense and just stagnates and not much really happens as a result. Yeah, so Boogie being the backup Jokic role has really been great, and it's definitely helped out the bench units because the Jokic off numbers have been noticeably less awful since bringing in Cousins. Another really good midseason pickup by Tim Conley and the rest of the Nuggets front office has been Bryn Forbes from the Spurs. Jokic's game has always been begging to be surrounded by elite shooting, so it's no surprise that Jokic and Forbes have developed some really nice chemistry. It's just so nice to have a reliable target for Jokic out there. He just adds a nice X factor. It's great to have. Oh, and another thing um, I want to bring up before I forget is a narrative that I've heard talked about like for a year now. I don't think I've really addressed it yet on a podcast episode, but it's just the topic or the narrative of the Suns being lucky last season, facing a lot of injuries, getting to the finals, you know, with AD and a little bit of LeBron, I'm pretty sure he got dinged up a little bit in that playoff series as well in the first round. And then Kawhi Leonard being injured for the Clippers for that entire Western Conference final series. But with the Nuggets, the only thing that's ever brought up is Jamal Murray being injured when it was far more than that. Honestly, no Monte Morris as well. 
who would have been our starting point guard in Jamal Murray's absence. P.J. Dozier injured as well, who would have been in the starting lineup at that point. And Will Barton also, who would arguably be our third best player at that point. He didn't come back until like the second to last game, maybe, or maybe even the last game of the series. And he was on a minutes restriction. And then Michael Porter Jr. was terrible that whole series and really for the whole playoffs, because as we know now, he was dealing with some nerve damage or nerve problems in his back, whatever it is. But I've said it multiple times on this show that he was noticeably stiff and not himself in the playoffs. So yeah, our perimeter rotation basically just consisted of Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, Shaquille Harrison and Marcus Howard, all of whom would probably not get any minutes on your average NBA team. Those guys were getting all of the backcourt minutes because the Nuggets were completely out of guys. So I don't know. Whenever I hear that brought up, it just makes me angry because I feel like we would have had a really good shot in that series if Jamal was the only thing that we were missing. If we had everything else back and Jamal was the only thing gone, I feel like that's still a really, really good team. Don't get me wrong, Jamal definitely makes our team better. Biokic is just so dominant by himself. Putting an actual roster around him like that, getting guys like Monte Morris, Will Barton, PJ Dozier, a healthy MPJ, that would have been a competitive series, I feel like, let alone having a healthy Jamal. So yeah, just wanted to get that off my chest because just from like the general basketball voice or people on podcasts, when I hear them bring up that Nuggets team from last season in the playoffs, the only thing they ever talk about them missing is Jamal Murray. I think that's, for the most part, the only person people really know was missing when they think back to it, and that is far from true. So yeah, I just wanted to make my piece about that. Now let's look at the standings. So the Nuggets are currently in the fifth spot right now, two games behind uh, the Mavericks for fourth. The Mavericks are only one game back from the Warriors at three, and then there's a pretty big hill to climb um, between the Warriors and the Grizzlies that is definitely insurmountable at this point. And then the Jazz are only a half a game back from the Nuggets at six, and the T-Wolves are two games back from the Nuggets at seven. So a pretty good chance that Nuggets stay out of the plan. You know, just have to finish off these last three games. We can really just win one of them probably to uh, have a pretty good shot at staying in there. I'm not sure who has the tiebreaker in the T-Wolves-Nuggets head-to-head, but I think it's the Wolves because they just beat us last game. Um, so that would be my guess. Yep, and just scrolling back, I see another win for the T-Wolves uh, the last time we met. So that probably is the case. If the Nuggets win one game and the T-Wolves win their last three, then that would put us in the seven, assuming Utah stays above that record as well. So let's look at these games. We have the Spurs tonight at eight, and then the Grizzlies on Thursday, and the Lakers as the last game on Sunday. We just beat the Lakers. Hopefully we can do that again. I think we can beat the Spurs tonight. So if we get two wins there, you know, um, if we lose one of those, then hopefully, you know, we can get the Memphis one maybe. Um, It's definitely possible. Hopefully we can get out of this with two wins. If not, you know, let's get all three. Screw it. Let's go for 50 wins on the season. I'd be okay with that. Then we might even be in the fourth seed at that point. Who knows? Probably not, though. I'd really love it if the Mavericks pass up the Warriors for the three spot. Um, They're only a half game behind them right now. And the Mavericks have the Pistons, the Blazers, and the Spurs to finish it out. So that could be a three for three right there. Uh, The Warriors finish off with Lakers, Spurs, and Pelicans. Okay, so very doable three games for them as well. So that'll be interesting. I'd much rather face the Warriors, honestly, first round as a Nuggets fan than I would Dallas. But, you know, I think we have a pretty good shot against either of them. I think that would definitely be a competitive series. I'm just scared of Luka in a playoff series. And also, I just feel like Warriors are one of the teams that match up against the Nuggets not very well. I feel like Jokic kind of has his way with the Warriors quite a bit. So that's what I would like to see happen. Warriors Nuggets first round series. Maybe if the Warriors stay in the three spot and Mavericks stay in the fourth and maybe the Jazz pass us up uh, for the fifth spot because they're only a half game behind us uh, and they have four games left. 
so then the Warriors and Nuggets would face off in the 3-6 matchup. That might be better, honestly, because then we'd be on Memphis's side of the bracket instead of the Suns. So then there's a pretty good path all the way to the conference finals. And by that point, maybe we have MPJ and Jamal Murray back. Who knows? But yeah, that would be interesting to see. All right, that should be enough Nugget talk now. I try to keep it short for everybody. So now I'm going to let you guys get into that T-Wolves clip. Anthony, how do you feel about Minnesota? Maybe like 30, like they'll win like 35. Not like a crazy over, but like just over. Because they got, they got talent. They got real talent. You know, Anthony Edwards, if he can be more consistent, be great. D'Angelo Russell, stay healthy. Cat is cat. Plus, uh, I feel like, um, shoot, is your coach? It's not Flip Saunders, is it? No, he died. <laughs> it's Chris. Oh, I mean, I met his son. Oh, yeah. My Ryan Saunders. <laughs> no, yeah, they fired him last year. Uh, oh, yeah. gee, I feel so bad now. No, no, yeah. Oh, um, man. <laughs> but no, Chris yeah. Finch has done really good, I feel like, with the, mm-hmm. with their roster. Um, yeah. And uh, Beasley, Beasley's still there, right? He, yep. he can play during his... Yep, he's out of prison now. <laughs> he's out of prison, so uh, he's also really good. So I like the over on this one. And I'm going to go um, E still, though. Okay. I, I think I'm gonna keep my D tier at where it's at right now. Fills up your E tier, I think. Which I don't. Yeah, I guess I I don't foresee you putting any of the next teams in E. But yeah. Uh, then Jacob, what do you feel about Minnesota? About um, I like them, but I feel like I like a lot of teams this year, but not to like obviously win everything. At least somebody has to lose, and I don't know how angry is Cat there the whole year. Is he angry enough to try to leave? I don't know. It's above. I have no no brain. I, I I'm just scared. So I went with the under because I could see them. In a, it's a close under, but I could see them losing. Just 33 games is like a lot to win when every night's a hard night when there's not that many teams that are like bad bad. Um, and I've also got them in E tier. Sounds good. Uh, for me, I have the over on this. Honestly, they were one of the main candidates for a lock for me, just because. But, you know, they, I moved off of them, and I think I, that was the right decision. But I feel pretty good about the over, I guess is what, I, what I'm trying to say. I don't think they're going to be, a, like, way over, but I feel pretty good about it just because their talent and also just – I like Chris Finch as a as a coach, what we've seen from him so far, implementing their whole offensive system and stuff like that. Anthony Edwards in the preseason has looked a lot better on defense, which doesn't usually happen when you see, you know, defensive development in the preseason. So I feel like that might mean something. Maybe not, though. Yeah, so I took the over with them. Um, I'm going to put them in the D tier, honestly, probably down at the bottom of the D tier. Or no, since I moved New Orleans down, I think I'm going to move move uh, the Wolves down as well. All right, so it's time to talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves. So the T-Wolves line this year was 34 and a half wins, and they've got 45 wins right now with only two games left in the season. So yeah, they've definitely gone way over there. So it looks like me and Anthony got the dub on this one. Jacob went under, unfortunately. So yeah, the big things from the T-Wolves this season, I'd say Cat's development. I honestly kind of forgot about him being unhappy preseason because of the whole GM kerfuffle. So that's something that I was reminded of listening to that clip. But yeah, he's had probably the best season of his career. He just dropped 60 like a couple weeks ago. But yeah, this season he just turned into one of the absolute best offensive bigs in the game. Anthony Edwards continued to develop this season as well. Uh, D'Angelo Russell had a pretty good season. 
the T-Wolves really found a match with head coach Chris Finch. Yeah, by the way, this is being recorded a little bit later than uh, that Nuggets section was. So this is after the games on Tuesday night. So the Nuggets did actually lose to the Spurs, unfortunately. But, you know, the good news is Lakers are officially eliminated because they lost tonight and the Spurs won. So they're too far behind to be able to make it back up into the playing range um, in these last two games. But yeah, if the Nuggets lose their last two, um, which is against Memphis and then the Lakers, and the Timberwolves win their last two, which is against the Spurs and the Bulls, then I believe the Nuggets would be in the play-in at seven. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Nuggets just need to win one of these, either Memphis or the Lakers. I think the Lakers should be an easy win. Hopefully I don't jinx us with that, though, because I just said we should beat the Spurs. But yeah, Timberwolves, though, they still do have a shot to make it up into the top six and avoid the plan. But they'll probably end up at seven would be the most likely scenario. And I think I'd have them coming out of the plan tournament. But I don't know about getting the seventh seed because that first game with the Clippers will be really interesting, um, especially with Paul George back now. That's just kind of a very different team than a couple weeks ago. And then after that, who knows? You know, a one game do or die against the Pelicans or the Spurs is no joke if you're the Wolves. They'd definitely be the favorite, though, in both those games. Also, while I'm on the topic of the standings, Brooklyn, like I mentioned earlier in the intro, was at the 10 spot in the East, but all of a sudden, after tonight, they're in the 8 seed now in the East. But yeah, I think that should be it on Minnesota. I'll just send you guys on down the line and show you that Oklahoma City clip. Enjoy. next team okc jacob how do you feel about okc um i like the over just because 22 games is not a lot but i think they're bad so they're in the f tier but yeah that's why that's pretty much it okay shay's a good player and yeah so jacob put the thunder in the f tier i'm gonna put them in the f tier as well i'm choosing it's kind of similar with orlando i feel really hesitant about it but somebody has got to lose i guess and I could see it going either way, but I'm going to choose the under. Uh, Anthony, what about you? I'm going the over and F as well, but like top of F. I mean, you got you got Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's a mm-hmm. player that can lead a team, and you know he got hurt for the last portion of last season. And you got you know Isaiah Roby, Husker legend. So <laughs> I drafted him in fantasy. Um, oh really? Yeah, he was literally on the board, not far away from like the last pick. He was right there, available. Um, so I took him with my last pick. Nice. They for projections, they think that he's going to be playing 30 minutes a game. On wow. Each I don't know if that's going to be what happens. I feel like that they've got a lot of guys his size, you know. So it's probably inaccurate, but. All right. So now it's time to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder's line this year was 22 and a half wins. They have 24 wins right now with three games left in the season. So they have hit their over. Unfortunately, I went under on them. I was predicting they would be a little bit more aggressive with their tanking than they have been, I guess. They honestly have just got some really enticing young players this year that led to a few more wins than probably Sam Presti was hoping even. But, you know, they're still in pretty good place. You know, they'll have the fourth best odds in the lottery this year unless they accidentally pass up the Pacers who are only one game ahead of them. Yeah, OKC is just looking for another lottery talent to add to this young core of, you know, Josh Giddy, who is the rookie this year. It's been really enticing, you know, as a a 6'8 playmaking savant, along with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, obviously. Lou Dort as the really stocky perimeter defender. He's developed his offensive game as well this year. Isaiah Roby has had some nice flashes. 
Shout out Nebraska Cornhuskers. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been a pretty nice rookie for them too. Alexei Pokusevsky, aka Poku, he's still there, still developing. Darius Baisley. I think Derek Favors is still on the roster, honestly. I thought they would try to move him this year, but I think he's still there. Yeah, this whole roster is just riddled with lots of young players, lots of young prospects. Too many to name, honestly. So not much really else to say about OKC other than good luck in the draft. Uh, Really, if they land a top five pick, they're probably going to be coming away with somebody interesting. But obviously, OKC fans are really hoping for one of those top guys like Jabari Smith or Paulo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren. Uh, I'm not sure if OKC fans would be super excited about Jaden Ivey because they already have a lot of guards there, I guess. But we'll see. It's not a draft yet, though. we got the playoffs first. Playoffs are going to be really exciting this year. And draft is probably tied with my favorite time of the year, tied with the playoffs. But I can't be looking forward to that quite yet because I still got the playoffs to get to. So, yeah, we'll get there soon enough, though. But, yeah, anyways, let me just move it along and send you guys into the Portland Trailblazers clip. Portland, I'm going to go with the over with Portland just because 45 wins. They do that every year, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to put the over for them just because I feel like they did get better. Obvious, I think everybody's just kind of worried about the whole Dame situation is why everybody, I guess, moved off of them as a consistent playoff team in the West. I think they'll be in the playing range. I'm going to put them in the C tier around the same level as like Bulls and Pacers. You know, so I'm taking the over with them. Uh, I'm putting them top of D tier, and um, ah man, I might take the under by a by a game or two. I think this is the year you might finally see a a decline in that Portland team. Fair enough. I I kind of ju- just decided to do the over because Larry Nance Jr. I think will be a really good addition for them. Norman Powell in his second like first full season there will be really good. Uh, CJ McCollum was injured for most of last season. Dame won't have to carry as much of the load. They got a solid backup mm-hmm. center, honestly, in Cody Zeller now. There's like injury insurance for Nurkic. They ha- I think they have a couple more pieces, honestly, that I really liked. The things that they moved. Covington's still there, obviously. So I don't know. I think that they're going to win some games, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I don't see them as yeah, a contender and like that. But Jacob, what about you? I've got the over uh, for a lot of the reasons. I think they just did a good job of appeasing Dame, hopefully, for them, for their sake. Just trying to be like, hey, we've got this, we've got this, we short up the holes we could with kind of our hard contract situation um, that they're in. So I've got them as a, a B tier team. Um, I think I, I'm really high on the Blazers, but I don't think they'll is, be. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. You know, you're good. What's up? Uh, is, is Stotts still the coach or did he uh, nope. leave? Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So mm-hmm. I like them quite a bit. I do too. I agree. I think Chauncey Billups will be a pretty good coach, honestly. All right, so now it's time to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. And so the Blazers line this year was 44 and a half wins. They're 27 and 52 right now with three games left in the season. Anthony took the under on them and then Jacob and I took the over. So Anthony was really smart on this one. But yeah, I don't know. I really like this roster coming into the season. They just had a lot of role guys that are some of my favorites in the league, to be honest, like Larry Nance Jr. and Norm Powell mainly. But yeah, I wasn't really prepared for Damian Lillard to like fall off the face of the earth. 
start off the season like the worst stretch of his career because apparently of a abdominal injury that he ended up having season-ending surgery on. Basically, after Dame went out, they just kind of blew it up, went full tank mode. Anthony Simons and Josh Hart have had some really nice moments for them. Josh Hart, they got over in that Pelicans trade with CJ McCollum. Also, Chauncey Billups in his first year as a head coach hasn't been as good as I really was expecting, I guess. He seems to have a lot more like stubborn and old school traditional philosophies than I thought. Like how he just didn't know how to use Robert Covington or Larry Nance Jr. at all when they could have been helping that team quite a bit. So the Blazers just ended up trading them instead. But yeah, they moved off those more veteran guys, role players, you know, guys around Dame. Um, I think Nurkic is really the only major one left out of that core because they got rid of McCollum, Norm Powell, Robert Covington, Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller. So now they just have all young guys trying to develop, go more future-oriented, I guess try to rebuild it around Dame, which I don't really see like a super great path forward for that, I guess specifically. I think if they're trying to build around Dame, ideally this roster will be changing quite a bit still within the next several months. But yeah, like I said, they've been tanking the latter half of the season. It looks like they're probably going to end up somewhere in the mid lottery. So, you know, kind of a mediocre tank job at best, but ultimately still helps. Also, they got some other picks in those trades they made during the season. I believe they have uh, the Pelicans first rounder this year. So that'll definitely help too. But yeah, I think that's it with the Blazers, really. I don't have much to say about them either. This division was mostly about Denver for me, to be honest. But yeah, I'll just move it on to the next one now and show you that Utah clip. All right, that leaves the Utah. They had the best record in the league last year. Jacob, how are you feeling for the over of 52.5 wins? Tier-wise, I've got them as a C because unless they move off of Rudy Gobert in the playoffs with how the NBA is now, they're, they don't scare me as a contender at all. Uh, the, I think you got cut off at the beginning. Did you say over or under? Over. Over? Okay. Yeah, so I like him in the regular season. I think they'll do what they did shoot threes at a crazy pace all that type of stuff i like the over but i just play it when playoff time comes they're probably above they're like the top of the c um b c somewhere in there let's go let's call them b they're bottom of b yeah i just was a little thrown off by the c tier at first down here with your like Knicks bulls yeah (laughs) but that's because i thought c tier in my head and then i looked at the teams i have in the chair i'm like nah, they're definitely b (laughs) yeah um i'm gonna say over as well. Yeah, I think they're going to win a lot of regular season games. I agree. The playoffs, I'm not super confident in them, but I think they, I could see them getting better. Donovan Mitchell was a freaking animal in the playoffs last year. And yeah, as long as they figure out that Rudy Gobert situation, I think they have started to try to with the roster moves that they've made this uh, off season, which hasn't been like big moves, but they definitely, you can see them trying to get some rotation players that are going to be defending on the perimeter. I think that's really what they need for that Gobert situation. So, and I'll wait, where did I put them in terms of tier? I have them in the A tier with the Suns. They're basically interchangeable with the Suns with me. I think Lakers are definitely the top of the A tier though. Yeah. Anthony, what about you? Uh, Yeah, I'm taking the over as well. Um, And I'll put them in the A. Uh, I mean, same points as you guys. They just need to do better in the playoffs. They're a great regular, regular season team who will for sure go past 52. Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. he'll be Donovan Mitchell. Conley, uh, you'll, he'll be probably healthier this year. So it's a good team. Good team. They'll do yeah, well. I agree. 
All right, so now it's time to talk about the Utah Jazz. So the Jazz over underline was 52 and a half, and they're 47 and 32 right now with three games left. So they have fallen short of their line, and we actually all went over on Utah. And I guess what I should probably be talking about in this is why Utah struggled this season. I guess why they underperformed compared to expectations. And I don't know, there's there's a lot of reasons, I think. One of the semi-big ones probably being Joe Ingles' role um, off the bench. You know, he was not himself this season, um, They and they struggled to find somebody to fill that role. Uh, Mike Conley has also declined a little bit, I think, with his age being like 34 now, I think. And then they ended up losing Joe Ingles altogether from an ACL tear midway through the season. Yeah, just looking at Conley's numbers, he's definitely dipped in production compared to where he's usually at year to year. You know, Gobert and Mitchell have both missed, I guess, a handful of games. Nothing major, though. Also, you know, Bojan Bogdanovic getting a little bit older. So I guess just some of their main contributors in the rotation getting a little bit slower, less productive. And that, I guess, makes it a little bit harder on some of the other guys in the rotation, like Jordan Clarkson, who I guess has more responsibility now, probably more than you would like. And also, I think it has to do with them searching a little bit on defense. It reminds me just a little of the Bucks from last season how you know the bucks went from having like back-to-back years of like the best record in the league and then all of a sudden they were a pretty middle of the pack eastern conference team i think they were like the four seed or something like that and that was because mike budenholzer trying a bunch of different stuff during the regular season instead of just doing his patented formulated system that he's perfected over his time there because of the playoff failures back-to-back years deciding to experiment with trying some other game plans to have like adjustments to fall back on. You know, I said while that was going on that I thought that was a good decision for the Bucks, even though it was going to cost some regular season wins. I think that is part of what's going on with Utah here because, you know, they try to fix that their system on defense where they had it built around Gobert as, you know, literally the sole defender, the sole reason their defense is successful, you know, because in a playoff setting, teams just keying in on that uh, and going five out and getting Gobert stretched out of the paint. It really just uncovers a huge hole that they have knowingly put into their defense with just subpar perimeter defenders and also just like the philosophy on defense for the perimeter defenders to allow drives to the rim and just stay up on shooters. All of that added together just makes for a super easy defense to just completely drive by and penetrate and get to the basket against. And so, you know, trying to go out, get some bigger wings, got Eric Pascal, they got Rudy Gay, they have Nikhil Alexander-Walker now, adding some guys to play defense along the perimeter and kind of changing their whole philosophy there. I think it's probably had some growing pains. I haven't watched a ton of Utah this season, to be quite honest. I guess that would be my guess from the outside looking in. Because I know at least at the beginning of the season, their offense was still, you know, eviscerating teams. And so maybe that's gone down quite a bit, maybe with the fluctuation of shooting. Because, you know, last year or maybe two years ago now is when they set the record for highest three-point shooting rate as far as attempts for a single team. So, you know, if they still are taking the most threes in the league, then, yeah, they'd definitely be very subject to some shooting slumps and variations there to really hurt their win totals. Donovan Mitchell has still had a really good season, though. Uh, So has Rudy Gobert, honestly. Yeah, also it looks like Donovan Mitchell's three-point percentage has taken a dip. He's kind of almost traded places with Devin Booker, it looks like. You know, he's down in more like the mid-30s range with his three-point shot this year instead of the high 30s. And Devin Booker has done, you know, the opposite. So that's been probably a pretty big piece for them too this year. Further underachieving, you know, their main offensive weapon just not being quite as potent from the outside. Uh, He's not getting to the free throw line as much either. 
Mitchell is still probably going to be an all NBA guard when it comes down to it. You know, I shouldn't speak too soon on that, though, because I really haven't actually gone through the all NBA teams in my head yet. And guards are always really hard to find spots for because there's so many. So I guess I shouldn't speak too soon on that. But I would I would guess at least that he'd be at least third team. And Gobert might not make the all NBA team this year uh, when he has the past several seasons. Because, you know, past few years, it's always been Gobert is the third team center behind Jokic and Embiid on the first two teams. But this year, I think Cat has definitely cemented himself as the third best center in the league as far as this season goes anyways. But, you know, there's still definitely going to be an argument for Rudy Gobert that I know a lot of the analytics guys are going to be making. I would consider myself neither like a pro Rudy Gobert person nor a Rudy Gobert hater. I'm very kind of indifferent on him. I see the case from the analytics guys as him being, you know, one of the best rim protectors in NBA history, huge rebounding threat, and the pressure he puts on the rim on the offensive end. I love all that. But it's very hard to compare, I guess, such a different play style to some of the other bigger names in the NBA. So it's always been really hard for me to rank Gobert. And I can't really get mad at people for putting him wherever they do end up putting him. So yeah, I guess I just have a lack of an opinion on Rudy Gobert or maybe too broad of one. I don't know. But yeah, that should be it with Utah. I don't think I have anything else to say about them. I'm really excited for these playoffs, though. And I'm not just saying that because it is the playoffs and, you know, I should or whatever. It's honestly like just looking at the standings and looking over the league, looking at all these teams. This is like got to be the most wide open a playoffs has been uh, that I can think back to, at least uh, in recent memory. And that's just going to be so entertaining. Like, I feel like there's so many of these teams that are so evenly matched and the plan makes it even more interesting. You know, maybe the Nets and the Hawks getting in, Cavs falling out, stuff like that. It's just going to be really entertaining to watch, you know, and I'm going to try to be completely locked in just watching all the playoff games this year. I feel like the reason why I'm talking about this right now is just because this season, it's been actually kind of harder for me to pay attention to the league than it has been the last couple seasons, mainly just like a bunch of life circumstances and stuff going on. My life has definitely been a lot more chaotic and hectic and crazier than usual. So I've actually spent less time thinking about sports and things like this than I'm used to. But, you know, I'm not going to let that stuff keep me from enjoying the NBA because just looking at it, I know that this is going to be an incredible playoffs and and I don't want to miss that in any way. So I'm just locking in from here on out. going to try to be watching games every night the rest of the season until the play in. But yeah, keep looking out for stuff going up on the YouTube channel and podcast feed should be every Wednesday now, hopefully at least. And I'm going to try to continue to get stuff out to you guys uh, during the postseason and then into the draft and free agency and all that fun stuff. This is my favorite time of the year for doing podcasts and everything. So it'll be a good time. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Follow the feed. Do all the things that podcast hosts and YouTubers tell their audience to do every episode uh, that I don't really like to do. But thank you for listening. I will talk to you guys next time. Mm